0: The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. I am here in my office. I think Miss Vicky explained I had been exposed to COVID this week with Zach, and so just out of a measure of extra caution, I thought it would be best if I would uh, preach from my office this morning. And, but before I do that, there are a lot of moving parts to making this happen. I just want to uh, say thank you to Brandon uh, for making all this possible today, and all of those who volunteer and serve in our audiovisual. will you just put your hands together and thank you, uh, thank them for all the great job that they do to make this happen every week. I think we're up in Genesis chapter 4, the end of the story of Cain after he had killed his brother Abel, some sad notes that begin to take place here in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 4, after God had uh, pronounced his judgment on Cain and had um, uh, that judgment of what his punishment would be for killing his brother, murdering his brother. Verse 16 says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. And what a dreadful thing. And as the chapter continues on, it begins to communicate to us the descendants of Cain. His family, and in just five short generations, would see that the path Cain had in his family would continue to spiral. Uh, generation from Cain had made the announcement to his wives and his sons that he had murdered a young man, and that God had. Uh, Declared that there would be vengeance on one who touched Cain. Let it be 75-fold vengeance that comes on the one who tries to revenge uh, this death that I have committed. And so we see a clear path here in Cain's family. And where Cain had turned away from the Lord, had not walked by faith, but had chosen to murder his brother, the path continued on a path of destruction, not only for Cain, but for the rest of his family, and in just a few hundred years, we're going to see that because God had recognized that all of the wickedness on earth uh, was so terrible, he had repented even for creating man. God had been sorrowful that he had. God would then make a decision to flood the earth and destroy every living thing on the earth. But, but there was another line after uh Cain had killed Abel, we find that Adam and Eve had another son, that God had given them another son, and that would be Seth. Seth walked with the Lord, he honored the law of God, he walked by faith with him, and we see the generations that follow Seth, all the way down to, uh, to Enoch, who God had taken miraculously as he walked with God, and then to Lamech and then eventually Noah and his family as God would destroy the earth. Now, there were two paths that we see in both of these individual lives. Uh, One was the way of Cain, as the book of Jude mentions, and the other one was the way of Abel, really, through Seth, the way of faith. And all of us are on a path. All of us are on a journey. And most of us probably think that we're on the right road, that we're on the right path. But I'll tell you that although it appears to many of us that we may seem to be on the right path, shocking is is that we are not all on the right path. I had to go down I needed, and I was in Pike County, and I had gotten off the main road, and made my way to the location that I had to pick up some material. My cell phone signal began to get weaker and weaker, and I was using maps on my phone to get my uh, bearings right to get me to the right location that I needed to be. And at the location where I was going to supply, I realized that just my cell phone signal had gone away of it, and I went inside of the facility to purchase the items that I needed to purchase. And way back home. I then recognized and that I had lost a map that was going to move to my house from a location that was way out in the middle of nowhere. I had long ago gotten rid of my Rand McNally maps, and I didn't have my manual map to look at. And, but I was just trying to navigate my way back as best as I could recollect, the turns that I had made. And I got to an intersection that I was confident, that I was very sure that the right direction to go was to turn right. And so I turned right there, and as I'm going down the road, I'm thinking, this doesn't look familiar to me. But I was convinced that I was on the right path. I was on the right way. It wasn't until I got several miles down the road that I recognized that, man, surely this is not the right way. And I had to turn around, make a U-turn, and go back in the direction to go in the right way so that I would make it home. You see, unfortunately, there are many of us who think that we're on the right path. We think that we're on the right road. We're convinced that we're on the right road, but we're really not on the right road. Jesus speaks of that. Chapter 7, they're with me. verse 21, think that they're on the right path, really not. Lord, Lord, will enter heaven, but one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What a statement to hear from Jesus on that day of judgment. You see, there were many that, that said, Lord, Lord. But they never knew him. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, there are there's a way that seems right to man, the writer of Proverbs said, but in its end, in its way is death. And on that day Jesus says, You'll say to me, Lord, Lord, but the only the one who does the will of my Father is in heaven. And they go on to say, now notice on that day that there were many that were in your name. We preach in your name. Didn't we take some some nice verses and put them together and make them sound real appealing and, and real flowery? But God, didn't we do that and tag the name of Jesus on it? And Jesus says that he'll say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. But Jesus, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do miraculous spiritual things? And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And then Jesus, didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Say depart from me, for I never knew you. That seems right to a man, but the Bible says, in that way there is death, certainly. To get a context of what Jesus, beginning in verse 21, we have to take the whole context of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount It really is a message of contrast. There are many contrasts that Jesus uses to show that there is one way that seems right to a man. but, But in that way, destruction and death lies. There is a right way to heaven. You see, both of the ways promise heaven. Both of the ways promise eternal life. But there's one way. That disappoints, and we'll hear the Lord Jesus say on that day of judgment, for I never knew you. And there is another way that seems that that, that seems very right, but in its end is destruction. Picking up in the Sermon on the Mount in verse thirteen, Jesus says that prior to saying, Some of you will say to me on that day, Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction. To enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You see, both ways portray a way that uh, that is marked by the sign of heaven. These do not says that there are two ways here. Notice the contrast that he uses in this verse. He says that, that there are two gates. One gate is wide, the other gate is narrow. You see, one gate is wide, and there are many who are following through that gate, but the other gate is narrow. Speaking to the audience, many of them who were Jews... It was this collective way into heaven. I I was I was born on the eighth day, circumcised. I was a, a Jew of Jews. I was a Pharisee, and Jesus, in a sense, is saying that it's rubbish. Just like Paul said, all of that was rubbish. You see, you won't enter in through that way collectively. But no, the gate is narrow, signifying that it is. One at a time. You see, we can't collectively enter into heaven. Collectively, as Southern Baptists, enter into heaven. We can't collectively, as Americans, enter into heaven. Collectively, as any of churchgoers, enter into heaven. See, Jesus said that you must be born again. And he says that get Notice the second contrast makes here. It says, one of the ways is easy, but the other way is hard. It's easy. It's on, say, whosoever will collectively take everything else, we can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of the truth we want to hold to, a little bit of the that through that narrow gate, hard, it's very, as a matter of fact, Jesus said that if you want to be my disciple, then you take up your cross and follow me. It is a difficult way to enter in through that narrow gate. I remember when I came to know Christ, I recognized and realized that all of my own self effort, through all of my own, I could ever attain a right living, a right standard with God, by which he might allow me to have eternal life in Him. As a matter of fact, Jesus begins the sermon on the Mount in the first verse of chapter five by saying that. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That phrase, poor in spirit, means blessed are those who are bankrupt, literally bankrupt, that they recognize that there's absolutely nothing within themselves that would give merit for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he says in the second verse of chapter 5, But blessed are those who mourn, mourning their condition, and mourning their state, recognizing and realizing that they are eternally damned because of the sin that they've been born in and the sin that they live their life in. You see, it's very hard, it's difficult when we recognize that that the gospel doesn't present a cheap grace. But the gospel calls us in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, as Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand derogate. We must repent. We must confess and acknowledge that we are sinners and realize that we have to turn from that old way of living, renew our minds, and begin a pursuit and following after Christ and trusting Him for our salvation. You see, it's not easy to give up those things that we were once holding on to. Recently, I was speaking with a young man who had professed um, homosexuality to me, and wanted to trust Christ. As a matter of fact, he believed that he was a believer. Really, I can enter in and bring in my life partner with me. And my words to him were, "No, you've got to be willing to repent. You've got to be willing to leave that behind, to turn from that in order to follow Christ." Put it this way: that if you're if you're gonna walk with me, then you must hate your you must hate your sister, you must hate your mother, you must hate your father, and that I must be the primary thing in your life. Reminded ruler who came to Jesus and what must I do to gain eternal life. And all of those obeyed i've not murdered i've not killed i've i've not stolen i've i've held all of the commands and jesus said one thing you lack and that's to take all of the possessions you own and sell them and give the resources to the poor and bowed his head and went away from jesus narrow way difficult way. No way of destruction and the other leads to a way of life. Leads to destruction, not annihilation, but destruction. When you're cast out, they'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth. Life, then you must lose your life. We try to gain life by holding on, he said, that that we'll gain nothing. You see, in one way, that broad way is a path to destruction, and that narrow way is a path of life, eternal life in Christ Jesus. Notice the last contrast, that there are two different types of crowds. As we've already signified, one of the, the crowds is many, but the other is few. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. You see, there, there are two ways. Both ways promise heaven. One is a broad way that is not the gospel. It's not the way through Jesus Christ and faith in Him. The other way is a narrow way where it solely rests and depend. on all of our faith being placed in what Jesus has done for us by shedding his blood on the cross as a payment and the forgiveness of our sins. You see, many of us think that we're on the path to heaven. Signifying Jesus here, there are many who are going through the broad gate. But on that final day of judgment, he'll say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. The Bible says that there's only one name given in heaven by which men must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. You see, there are many who are following after a religious way, a false religion, that bases all of its concept, that bases all of its assurance and all of its merit on what we might be able to do in human achievement. That if we just do enough good, then surely I'm going to make it in through that gate into heaven. That surely if I join the church, then I'm going to make it into that place of heaven. That surely if I put my name on a roster, that, that I'm going to make my way into heaven. Jesus made it very clear There are many who are on that way, but in its end, in its way, surely is destruction. But there's only one way, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Continue to read through Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. We see that that there are some other contrasts that he promotes here that he says in verse fifteen, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The false prophet, the one who would come in sheep's clothing, the one who would come like a prophet, like a shepherd. And they're pronouncing the way to which is an easy way, which seems right unto man. In its end is destruction. They're peddling that false gospel in many different ways. They're peddling that false gospel through a prosperity message. They're peddling that prosper that that false gospel through a nationality message. They're 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 promoting that false gospel in in a in a sense an idealism of. Whosoever will and all will just do right and just do good and everything will be fine. And it's a cheap grace that does not save anyone. He says you will recognize them by their fruits. Now notice in this passage that that as he marks and identifies those who are the the true shepherds and those who are the false shepherds, he makes a distinction of the type of source of the tree that bears the fruit. In verse 16, recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thornwood or from thistles? So, tree bears good fruit. Disease tree bears bad fruit. Healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Three that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. There are those who are false prophets, those who claim to be prophets of God. But the source rests in human reasoning and human understanding rather than an the authoritative, authoritative word of God. And they peddle a cheap gospel that leads many down the road to destruction. And there's also the other shepherd, the other prophet, comes from a good source. That good fruit just simply means you can look at their lives and tell. You see, there are those shepherds who profess to be presenting the gospel... But well, when you look closely at their lives, you will recognize that there is bad fruit in their life. They're peddling that cheap gospel only to make gain for themselves rather than the preeminence and the name of Jesus. Lastly, in this passage, he. He tells us that, that we want to build our house on a good foundation. Pick up in verse 24, and there are three contrasts that I want us to look at in this part of the passage. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and blew on that house But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice the contrast here. He says that there are foolish builders. Builders go out and they build their home, they build their dwelling on a poor foundation. They're denied God and the God of the Bible. They have denied Christ as the only way to salvation, the only way to heaven and there are those who are wise builder the bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fool is the is 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 the knowledge of god and so there are foolish builders and there are wise builders let me ask you a question this morning have you been a foolish builder or have you been a wise builder have you, have you built on the truth the foundation of that rock, or have you built on a shaky foundation of sand? That's the next contrast. You see, every home, every building has to have a foundation. And the longevity and the security of that building depends greatly on the foundation that it's built on. Is your foundation built solely and squarely on the blood of Jesus that's been shed for the remission of your sins, that there's no way that you could have ever attained righteousness on your your own, that you recognize that your righteousness is like filthy rags in the eyes of God? Have you been one who has built on that firm foundation, the rock, Jesus Christ himself, or... Have you been a foolish builder who has built its house on shaky sand, shifting sand? The last contrast that he makes in this passage are the types of houses and the consequence and the result of those who built on one of the two types of foundation. He says, when the storm came... That, that house that had been built on a solid foundation stood the testing of time, and it persevered unto the very end. And can I tell you that, that if your foundation has been built on Jesus and Jesus alone, then you will be saved to the very end. But if your foundation, your way to heaven has been built on those sands that shift, that change, that whenever the new wind blows, it it seems to change? Has your foundation been built on fads that come along in the Christian world? He says in that when those winds came, when the storms came, that house did not stand. You see there's a way that seems right to man but in its end the bible says is death or destruction. You see there's the way of Cain who was the way of of trying to earn pleasure by God from God through giving a gift a sacrifice that was of his own work and his own hands. And, and There's the way of Abel and later Seth, who base their life on faith. You see, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. My plea to you this morning is this. Make sure that you know that you are entering through that narrow gate, which is Jesus and Jesus alone. I don't want to cause anybody to doubt or question their salvation this morning. But I do want to invite you to examine your life. I want to invite you to examine what is it that you're banking on to enter into heaven. Is it your own human ingenuity? Is it your participation in... Christian or church fad? Is it having the right podcast to listen to? Is it having the right Bible translation? Is it having the right education? Is it having the right pedigree? Or is it built solely and squarely of hearing the call of Jesus who said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? I would pray this morning that whether or not you're present in the sanctuary or you're joining us on one of our social media platforms, that where the Holy Spirit is moving right now, that He would call some today who tried to build their life on that shaky foundation and call them to turn and rest on a solid foundation, which is the work of Christ. There is no other way. I want to invite the worship team to come up and begin to lead us in a closing song. And this morning, wherever you are, whether you're present in the sanctuary or you're watching from your living room,
1: today is the
0: day of salvation, the Bible says. And if you sense the Holy Spirit is drawing you, and calling you to surrender your life to Christ, and I would invite you to do that, recognizing that the way is not easy. It's difficult to give up those things that we cannot carry in through that narrow gate. The only thing that we can carry in is a cross that he calls us to carry. Father, I pray that God right now you would take my futile words, O oh God, and that the Holy Spirit would penetrate and move in hearts this morning. God, my soul is grieved lately at the number of those that I see that profess to know Christ and follow after him, God Lord it's evident that God there stake in eternity is resting on an American cultural Christianity. An easy, and cheap grace. And to try to go through that, get, carrying all the baggage and all the stuff in it. Pray that this morning, God, you would call some. God, that you would choose some. Many are called and few are chosen. God, to lay down those other things, God, and recognize jesus you are the only way to salvation lord we love you in jesus name amen if you respond this morning if you're present i would invite you to make your way to the altar where some of our pastors and lay leaders will be there to receive you this morning if you're online i want to encourage you to make a note right there in the comment section and just simply say, I want, to try, I want to surrender to Jesus today, and we'll be back in touch with you this afternoon to talk to you about how you have the appearance of hope that you indeed will inherit eternal in life. Love you. I pray God's richest blessings on you. Worship team, lead us. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.